Here we go. It's always a little risky to show you that long of a clip because you're like, come on, play the rest. Uh, <laughs> that is a great scene. If you have not seen uh, the movie Elf, you, uh, it's actually a Christmas tradition in our family. That's what we do on Christmas Eve. It's either that or our Christmas story, uh, the, 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 the old version. Love that one. Uh, this year, it's Elf, so we'll be watching this. Love this scene where he first meets his dad. And I just love uh, Buddy the Elf, his, his character, uh, how, he, uh, how he's just so naive and so innocent and everything, and it's just like, sing a song, okay, uh, uh, and then he just starts going on that, and he just says, the crescendo is, uh, I love you, I love you, I love you, that's it, you know, and it's just, it's this beautiful moment where he just, just pours out his heart to his dad, who he's never met, and his dad uh, has never met him either. But he knows that he has a dad. Uh, the dad doesn't, doesn't know that way. Um, and so it's a surprise for the dad, but it's not for Buddy. It's he's been searching for his father. And we're using, in a, in a creative way, and I'll hand it off to Cor. He did a great job with this. So using Buddy the Elf and using that to talk about uh, the best way to spread Christmas cheer and looking at that and taking some of the themes, even from the movie, and saying, What are the biblical overtones in the Christmas story? And as preachers, uh, Christmas is a little bit tricky, right? You're always trying to find a different angle. And this has been a very fun one uh, for me to to hear the last couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, Cor talked about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist came on the scene as the forerunner before Jesus to prepare the way and to kind of block, so to speak, for the, the, the running back to come through with the ball who's gonna be Jesus. Football analogy, huh, huh? Uh, but the, uh, I, I wanna just take a quick look at the birth or the announcement of John the Baptist because it's gonna be relevant for what we're gonna do today. So uh, it says this in Luke 1, this announcement is gonna be made to a priest by the name of Zechariah. And Zechariah is, it's his turn to go into the temple and to do some of the sacrifices. While he's, hit, while he's in there, this happens. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. That's a common thing, right? You see an angel, you're freaked out. And the angel always says the exact same thing. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, right? I'm afraid. They say, don't be afraid. Saul's everything, I'm good now, right? Okay, (laughs) Zechariah, your prayer's been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Now, both Zechariah and Elizabeth are up in, up in years, and they've been praying for a child, and, and they're, they're, they don't have a child. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on Uh, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I love that. Just throws it down. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. His tone would change at this point because he doesn't like Zechariah's question. 
And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So in in Zechariah's uh, 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 acknowledgement or question, it's really one of, of unbelief, saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm old, and my wife is old. This ain't gonna happen. And the angel says, uh, no, no, it is. Then last week, uh, uh, Pastor Brian talked about the Christmas narrative, but especially looked at the shepherds. So if we look at that in Luke chapter 2, it says, and, and this happens right at the birth of Jesus, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And, and he did a great job of talking about these shepherds, that these shepherds were most likely looking over flocks, but these were not ordinary sheep. These were sheep that were going to be sacrificed as in the temple as a sacrifice for sins. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The same way they would have done for one of these sheep when they were born, uh, they would have been wrapped and laid down so they wouldn't def uh, make, uh, you know, scratch themselves or whatever, so they would be a defect. They can't have any defects in these lambs, and they would have laid them down. And so he's saying, ultimately, this is now the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of the world that will take away the sin of the world. That's what these shepherds are thinking when this is said to them. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the, what the shepherds said to them. So last week, Pastor Brian looked at this and said, look at what these shepherds got. They got this amazing look at this child that was right from that point gonna be shown that it was gonna be the lamb of the world, the, the one that would take away the sin of the world. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. This week, I want to focus in on that verse, verse 19. This week, as we look at the, the topic of how do you, like Buddy meeting his dad, how when Mary gives birth to her creator, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, and she, and she meets him face to face, what does that do to her? And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Isn't that a great phrase? The shepherds are going off and they're, yeah, this is awesome, and they're running around. And she is treasuring these things. And that word treasure there has an indication of like holding on to these things, tightly gripping these things, and then pondering them, making them go over and over in her mind and in her heart, right? I, I, not, not, to, not to pull this card out, but I took four years of, 
of Greek to be able to study the New Testament. So if you look at that whole sentence, though, in the original Greek, it translates out to, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> that was $20,000 well spent for those four years of seminary. So. <clears throat> now, what I want to go after this morning with you as we get a Christmas message, as you're getting ready for all the festivities that are Christmas, is what exactly did Mary treasure and ponder? When, when, when she's thinking about all these things, what's pondering through her mind? And what I want to do to, to uh, set the stage for this is go back in the story, in, in Luke as well, to when the angel Gabriel appears to her. When, when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, what, what happens there? And I want to list six things uh, that she's treasuring and ponder, four of which are what she's treasuring and pondering, and two of which are how she's treasuring and pondering. Okay, so we're going to look at six things. So the rest of our time we're going to spend in Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. And then we'll go all the way to that end of that. I think that's 38 is where that ends. So that's where we'll be for the rest of this time. Okay. So here's how it gets announced. This starts backing the story up now to before uh, Mary gets pregnant with the, with the miracle. She's, uh, she's a virgin, she, and she is going to be pregnant. But it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, there's a lot of great art on this. It, it's, it's all, it goes back many, many years. And a lot of it is fascinating in what they tried to do to Mary. If you look at this. So here's, here's a picture where, where Mary is out there playing a harpsichord, or I'm not sure what she's doing there. Uh, or, or maybe it's a book. I can't, I tried to blow it up and find out what there, but there's this angel appearing and she's very Victorian looking because it was painted in the Victorian age, right? 1400s. Uh, here's another one where Mary, this is interesting, where the, the angel comes and shows up and, and, and Mary uh, isn't at all freaked out. It, it kind of looks like the angel saying, uh, beg your pardon, and she's like, meh. <laughs> what, another angel? Uh, here's one where uh, Mary is extremely wealthy. Uh, I mean, look at that. She's just decked out. She's, she's reading a book that has pictures in it, which is my kind of book, actually. Um, here's another one where Mary somehow now is, with those big curtains back there, it looks like a, a, a sleeping birth on a train. Or I don't, I don't know what it's, again, Mary is shown here of means. That, if the scripture makes clear of anything, Mary did not have means. In, in fact, uh, Martin Luther says it this way, talking about uh, what, how, who God picked or what he was up to. He said he might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas' daughter, who was fair, rich, clad in gold, embroidered raiment, and attended by a uh, Retinue, I assume that means a lot, of maids in waiting, but God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. Or as R.T. France says, um, I'm sorry, uh, this is more accurate. This is an accurate scene. If she had her own room, probably didn't, but this is very, very more, much more accurate. Uh, this is just a simple girl, 
very young. We'll get into how young here in just a minute. Very young, and the angel appears to him. Archie France says it this way. A Jewish girl would normally be pledged to be married at about 12 years old. 12 years old. I, I taught junior high for six years. It was my, I, I didn't used to believe in purgatory, then I spent six years there. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but the, the, um, the, that's what they're 12, 13, and 14. I, I called it, at open house night, I always say to the parents, this is the armpit of life. Okay, just realize what's happening. This is Mary. She's in that age group, 12, 13, 14, and married about one year later. Mary would therefore be in her early teens at this time in striking contrast to the age of her relative Elizabeth, well advanced in years. Nazareth was a small, obscure hill village in the northern province of Galilee, far from the capital city of Jerusalem and Judea. In contrast with Gabriel's visit to Zechariah in the Jerusalem temple, therefore, he is now visiting a person visiting a person of no social significance, even though her fiancé was of Davidic or he was a descendant of David. This is important because this fulfills a bunch of prophecies. Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Joel Green likes to go on and say, according to the contemporary Roman law, the minimum age of marriage for girls was 12, for boys 14. The minimum age of betrothal set by Augustus at 10. Jewish practices were comparable so that marriage for a female usually took place before she reached 12 and a half years of age. 12 and a half. This was advantageous for her husband, who thus received the benefits of her service over a longer period of time, but also for the girl's father. Practically speaking, he was able uh, more easily to guarantee his daughter's purity, uh, virginity, if he could arrange for her to be married by the time she reached puberty. A marriage was co uh, constituted by the drawing up of a deed, the exchange of money to the groom, and sexual intercourse. Earlier practices apparently made no distinction between betrothal and marriage, but before the first century, uh, a time lapse of some 12 months had become common. Consequently, a deed of betrothal and the bride price were exchanged at betrothal, after which bride and groom were legally joined and could be separated only by death or divorce, during the betrothal period, the daughter remained in her father's house and under his control. The marriage itself was marked by intercourse between betrothed couple. Uh, and a betrothal is there pretty distinct from the engagement we have in the modern sense of the world word. So in other words, that, that you, you, we, we, they're betrothed. Okay, Joseph, uh, Joseph and Mary are betrothed. They are legally married, but they're not living together. They're not sleeping together. They're not any of those things. That hasn't happened yet. That's the period that they're in. They're a couple, but they're not. Okay, it's, we don't really have anything completely comparable to that today, but that is what's going on. Second thing Mary is pondering is the greeting. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Right? Here she is. Once again, you have this fear. We'll hear the angel lying. It's like, they must just, okay, just, just don't be afraid. Okay, geez, every time. But uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't, that's not Tuesday that this happens, okay? Um, 
But look at, look at what uh, he says. He says, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered in her head what kind of greeting this might be. Now, if you're a geek, and I'm a bit of a geek, you have to ask the question, how does Luke know what Mary's thinking? There's only one possibility. He had her as a source for his writing, either directly, and this really thrills me about the Gospel of Luke, because in the beginning of Gospel of Luke, Luke says this, He's talking to this guy by the name of Theophilus, and he says, I'm gonna pick it up in the second sentence, I too decide to write an orderly account for you, most excellent, excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. In other words, he's writing this guy who's become a follower of Jesus, and he says, I'm gonna write you a gospel account of what happened to Jesus, and he interviews people. Now, he either interviewed Mary or someone that Mary told her thoughts to. And the key passage for today, but Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. She didn't say anything, she just thought it. It's cool to think that Luke had that information when he's writing his gospel. He's got firsthand accounts. Third thing, she, now the, the angel Gabriel is gonna speak what's about to happen. And this is great news, but it's also this fulfillment of the Old Testament, this theology that is gonna, gonna rock her world. The angel says to her, okay, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. <clears throat> uh, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay. To you and I, we sing so many Christmas carols on this kind of stuff, we lose how radical that was to hear. This is a fulfillment of all the Old Testament stuff, okay? So if you go way back to, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So do not be afraid, right? We're there. He says, you'll be with child, give birth to a son, and you're gonna give him the name Jesus, and uh, he'll be great. He'll be called the Son of God, the most high like that. Okay, this goes back to 2 Samuel. God is speaking to David, King David, and he says this to them. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I'll raise up, from, uh, raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Uh, before me, your throne will be established forever. And then it's written about in the Psalms. I made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Even goes on then in Isaiah to a passage you always hear at Christmas time. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. This is this everlasting kingdom thing we're talking about. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Priests. Of the increase of his government, of his throne, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What's the angel saying to Mary? 
all that prophecies, all that stuff, everything that the Old Testament's leading up to is gonna happen. The dawn of redemption is near. And Mary, you're gonna carry that baby. That's what she's hearing. That's mind-blowing. And how old is Mary? 12 and a half to 14 years old, all right? She's just now learning algebra. <laughs> or, yeah, I, I taught algebra, or actually I taught hormone control is what I really taught, uh, <laughs> with a few math symbols put in there. That's all going through Mary's mind. You're kidding me. It's gonna happen? What we've been waiting for is going to happen, and I'm gonna be the mom? I love you, I love you, I love you. And look at her, how she responds. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Now, uh, uh, Gabriel's gonna love that question. Now, that's interesting. So how does that, how is it actually uh, different than Gabriel's. What, what she's literally saying is here is literally saying, since I know no man. I, I, I have not been sexually active. There's, I, this can't be. But she doesn't say that. She says, how will this be? So look at the Zechariah's question. He says, how will this be? Or excuse me, Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? He says, how can I be sure of this? And the difference is that one of them is asking, this is gonna happen how are you gonna do that? And the other one's asking, you can't do that. That ain't gonna happen. Now, I took one course of biology in 10th grade, okay? So just hang with me for a second. But it seems to me, and I ain't no biologist, but it seems to me a little bit more of a miracle that someone would have a child with no conception than someone who's 80 giving birth, okay? Biologists? Maybe, yes, okay, good. That's a bigger deal. And Mary just says, that's interesting. How are you gonna do that? How is that gonna happen? Not, how can I be sure of that? Give me another sign or give me more. Now, the, the, uh, the, the miracle then is announced to her. And it's not an announced clear like, this is how exactly God's gonna do it. Doesn't explain where the X's and the Y chromosomes and all that's all gonna, he doesn't say that. He just says, Mary, it's going to be a miracle. Never been done before, never gonna happen again. The Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to, uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, and she is who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Fascinating here, isn't it? Mary doesn't ask for a sign, but Gabriel gives her one. Go, go, go see Elizabeth, your relative. Go see her. She's pregnant in her old age. There's a sign, but she doesn't ask for that. She's asked, how is this gonna happen? He answers, it's going to be a miracle, and then he says to her, for nothing is impossible with God. Let me just pause right there. I, I know that Christmas season brings a, a lot of beautiful things, and it brings a lot of hard things for people. 
let me just encourage you, just as a side point, as I was going through this morning, I'm like, we gotta say this, because sometimes we forget it. Nothing is impossible with God. Whatever you bring into the table, pour it out to God. Delight in asking him, God, would you enter into this? I think sometimes we get, a, at least an American view of God, that is unhelpful because we've, we wanna know about God, but we don't want to know the power of God and see him actually, it's not that we don't wanna know it, it's just we kind of neglect it. And, and God is an awesome God, a God who moves in the lives of virgins and they have children who are then the Messiah. God can do all things. Ask him, seek him, lay it out there. Don't stop asking. I'm not telling you he's going to answer exactly the way you want or I want, but don't stop. Nothing is impossible with God. Goes on to our sixth thing then. Now, how does Mary do this? The sixth and the eighth are things more about how she does it. She does it, but she trusts in the sweet goodness of God. I am the Lord's, did I say sixth and eighth? I'm sorry, I missed one of the hows. The how, one of the other hows was with childlike faith, excuse me. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, <laughs> trusting in the sweet goodness of God. And she says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Okay, now we can just read that through. And I think a lot of times we, we forget to read the Bible like it's, a, like it's a, a living document that happened in real time to real people. Okay, so what's gonna happen in the story here in Luke chapter uh, one, Mary's gonna hear from the angel. The next thing she's gonna do a few months later, she's gonna go visit uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, she's gonna go there and they're gonna have this conversation and Elizabeth's gonna say that John was jumping for joy in, in the womb uh, and, and all this going on while they're talking and then after that, Mary writes or sings, they call it Mary's song, some poetry and the first thing she says is this, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. That's what she says. This is Mary. This is a 12 and a half to 14 year old. And this is what she says about God and about this situation now. Now, Think about that just for one second. A 12 and a half to 14 year old girl comes up to you and says, I'm pregnant. But this is, I know it's different, but just hang with me for a second. An angel appeared to me and said, though you've not had any sexual relationships with anyone, you're gonna give birth and it's gonna be the Messiah. Uh-huh, right. I'm sure that's been used a few times before, but certainly afterwards, like, hey, it happened to Mary, happened to me, right? <laughs> All of Mary's life, and to people who did not believe that Jesus was the Savior, they looked at Mary and scoffed at her. All her life, she got looks. Oh, there's that single mom. She... Maybe it was her and Joseph or something, but they aren't supposed to do that during the 
betrothed all her life, shame from the culture was put upon her. And yet what she says is, all generations from here on out will call me blessed, but this current one, they will not. And she trusts in, in spite of the circumstances, the goodness and the greatness of God. That's awesome. In fact, even so much that when Joseph finds out about this, Matthew records it, when Joseph finds out about it, uh, it says uh, <clears throat> his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he's an honorable guy, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. There's that phrase, divorce. They're married, but they're not yet together. And he said, oh, you, you were with someone else. All right, well, I'm just going to divorce you quietly. I'm not going to make a public spectacle of you. That's what she's pondering. All those things. Even though her life circumstances, the rest of her days will be extremely difficult because of this. That's what she's pondering. Kent Hughes says, as we study the Annunciation, we must accept the essential spiritual fact of the incarnation and the gospel. The Lord comes to needy people, those who realize that without him they cannot make it, those who acknowledge their weakness and spiritual lack. The incarnation, salvation, resurrection, Christmas are not for the proud and self-sufficient, as we follow the course of the Annunciation, we will catch the pulse of the virgin's heart because Mary is a model for those who experience the birth of the Savior in their lives. Mary is a model for you. Author and blogger Jen Buell talks about this moment, this verse, when Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. She says this, Long before scrapbooks and Facebook and Pinterest telling us how to immortalize our memories, there was Mary, the woman child chosen by God to give birth to his son. She was visited by angels, heard choirs that were worthy of singing before the throne of the Almighty, had shepherds show up to offer gifts and fall down and worship at the tiny infant she carried inside her body for nine months, she had no snapshots on paper or paintings to hang on her wall. What she did have was all the craziness that filled that stable that night, not the least of which was holding the Son of God that she had just given birth to, this tiny, smiling, wiggling bundle of perfection that she was now responsible for must have flooded her heart with so much at once. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Christmas is a season to treasure all these things and ponder them in your heart. So let me just close by asking you, will you treasure and ponder Jesus this Christmas? Now, some of you, you get it. Many of you are like, what does that even mean? So I'm gonna give you four possible ways to actually do that. Real quick, four possible ways to take time to treasure and ponder Jesus this Christmas. Number one, sounds like a self-promotional thing. Yeah, I don't mean it to be. Come to our Christmas Eve service tomorrow night at seven. Uh, 
7 o'clock, this building. It's a one-hour gig. There'll be children of all ages because we have no child care, but it's more that the children get to be here than we don't want to find child workers on Christmas Eve. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. But uh, it's a great time to come together and to just hear the Jesus story. We do some reading from the Jesus Storybook Bible for it makes sense for the kids, and there's a very, very short devotional, whole lot, one hour, we're in and out, but it's just a time to do that. Two, ask Jesus, ask Jesus to make his birth remarkable again for you. Uh, for some of you, you maybe haven't yet started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would ask you this Christmas to ponder, why not? Why have I not given Jesus Christ my life? Why have I not taken him as Savior and Lord? Why have I not opened myself up and said yes to him? And Christmas 2018 could be the start of your relationship with him. Others of you have. You have done that. May 2018 be a season where you take some time and you ask Jesus, Jesus, in the midst of all the craziness that is this season, would you make your birth remarkable to me once again? Third thing. Third thing. I said four. I only got three. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody ever lost their preacher's license by cutting something. Uh, <laughs> take five minutes. I like to do a Christmas morning before the craziness. Sit in front of the Christmas tree. Maybe put some Christmas carols on her. And I ponder what life would be like without Jesus. Without God taking the initiative to send his only son to save my neck. To someone who is going to die for my sins and to draw me to himself and pull me back into fellowship with him. Think maybe, just for those five minutes, what the trajectory of your life and the world would be if we lived in a world where there wasn't that hope. Now, you could probably fill in number four, five, and six. There's lots of ways to do this. Will you make this Christmas a time where you treasure and ponder Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, uh, you would shock us once again, even with the familiarity of the story we know. But God, would you just blow us away with how beautiful it is and how great your love is for us and how you went about doing this and even some of the pain that your way of doing it caused people who didn't focus on that pain, but yet says, I am blessed to carry the Son of God. I am blessed. And many, many from generation to generation will rise and call me blessed. I think of Joseph, even though we didn't spend much time talking about him and how all his life, he must have people look at him as well. So Lord God, make us be people who simply put treasure and ponder you all of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.